Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries, and my brother John said, thank God it's Friday, and I say amen. What a week. What a month. What a year it's been. It's been an amazing time, has it not been? And here we are Friday, and you know, you know we're all feeling exhausted, just tired. And I think the spiritual atmosphere, what's going on in the spiritual world, is very tiring. I had a friend actually picked up a card yesterday, and it explained how you know you're getting old. And the card basically said, you know you're getting old when you wake up having that morning after feeling you know, the morning after feeling, but then realize you didn't do anything the night before. That's how you know you're getting old, one of the signs. So I think some people are feeling a little bit old with the present program that's going on, or should we call it the present programming that's going on in the world in which we live. 
I think it's an amazing thing to be a Christian living in the world in the year 2021. It's absolutely amazing. And witnessing the advancement of technology, artificial intelligence, mind control, you wonder if any of those things are real or is it just pure deception? Well, from a biblical lens, we believe that most everything that people are concerned about today is real, that there are movements in the realm of technology, artificial intelligence, spiritual warfare, mind control, population reduction, one world government. Some people make light of it. Some people don't believe it. Some people think you're a conspiracy theorist. But the Bible, one of the most incredible, the most incredible book on the face of the earth that has a depth to it and secrets and mysteries and treasures and uh, meanings, it, it, it is filled with this understanding. And it takes us all the way back to the beginning of time, of course. So I just think it amazing that we are alive and remaining on the earth today to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world in the midst of the growing deception, the great darkness, the confusion, the chaos, the way that deception will spin things to be. It is an amazing moment to be alive. And it has been a very, very busy season, especially for the saints of God Almighty, the saints, the followers of Jesus Christ. Right now, the world may be laughing. The world may be mocking believers, people that believe in the antiquated, outdated book called the Bible, follow a Messiah they cannot see or hear or feel, at least according to them, that somehow we allow our lives in this modern world to be tempered by old passages in the scriptures telling us how to live in the world, to go against the flow, to not touch the unclean thing. And the world marvels and says, why wouldn't you? This is the time to let it all rip. This is the time to satisfy your flesh, to let every emotion and appetite release. There's no restraint. We've removed. All the restraints are gone. You could live right now and do anything you want to do. Why would you allow an old book with cryptic messages to govern your behavior, govern your thinking, govern your conduct. And for you and I, it's really simple. The reason why we allow this book to govern our lives is because we know the truth that is in the book. You see, we have met the Messiah, maybe not personally, physically, face-to-face with a handshake or hug, but we have met the Messiah in secret places where nobody was around. When people told us about the good news, because that's what we do, we preach the good news that there is a God in heaven who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We heard the message that God has a plan for us on this earth and into eternity. And so we heard this good news and then 
somehow, some way, when we were all by ourselves, in many cases, we said, Lord God, I've always believed in there was a God. I'm not an atheist. I wasn't born an atheist. As a little boy, little girl, always had a belief that there was a God in heaven. But somebody just explained God to me and told me about God's love, God's purpose, God's plan, and that the way into it was through his son, Jesus, who died on the cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And they preached that message, and at the moment, we may have turned a deaf ear, we may have laughed at it, we may have walked away from it, not responding to it at all. But in the process of time, we found ourselves in tight places, found ourselves feeling empty, alone, feeling there's no purpose in my life, no direction, no wisdom, what's the point, struggling maybe internally with a battle for the existence of my soul or your soul. But suddenly a voice, a memory, a thought, an idea came to us that, wow, just a few weeks ago, somebody told me about this Jesus, about this love that God has for me and this plan that he has and this purpose that my life could actually have meaning to it. And we thought about that in the midst of the conflict and struggle. And sure enough, we called out, we called upon the name of Jesus. And we said things like, Jesus, if you're real and what they said is true, please come into my heart. Bring that purpose, bring that plan, bring that salvation, bring that hope, bring that love. And suddenly people by the millions around the world, different from one another, different situations, conditions of life, experienced something. They experienced a penetration of their hearts, their minds. Something happened at their own invitation for God to come into their lives. And suddenly they found themselves in fetal positions or different expressions of that moment where God was now doing something. And all we know through the evidence that we have found is that suddenly this old book, this dusty book called the Bible that nobody ever touched was opened and the message contained therein was profound, and there was this ability to read it and see it as easy as a kindergarten book. And all of a sudden, this profound expression from within ourselves to make connection with the Bible became evident. And we began to learn about the New Testament, the gospel, about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit about eternal life, about salvation, about God's grace, his mercy, his kindness. We saw all these incredible things, and our lives changed. We were confronted by the Word of God because we were trained to live a certain way, but we read God's book, and it challenged us in the way that we were living, and we realized that the way that we were living was basically through programming of our parents or society or school or friends or whatever. But now God is coming to reprogram 
our thinking, and we saw that his word was superior because the life that we were living, there was no eternity in it. There was no value to it as far as after death, which anybody could die at any minute, no matter how old they are. There was no promise of living 100 years. And even if you did, at the end of that, then what would it be without God, without Christ, without heaven? Well, we all had our ideas that we were good people, and we were all going to heaven. But then we read the book and said, no one is good. No, not one. And that heaven was reserved for people whose names were written in the book of life. And so we were profoundly taught the truth. And we've been growing up in the reality of God's word. And we found God's word to be wisdom and light, understanding, knowledge. He became our source of intelligence And before you know it, that intelligence took us out and removed us from the wide road that was leading to destruction. And though we were put on a narrow path that leads to life, we found that within the context of the narrow pathway that we were experiencing an abounding life, not one exempt of troubles and trials and all the attempts of the enemy to bring us back into the wide road, but we had some profound power at work in our lives that we didn't have before And this is where we discovered the eternal Holy Spirit of God that Jesus promised that those who believe in him would receive and that this Holy Spirit would be with us forever. I mean, you'd really have to work hard to drive the Holy Spirit out of your life. You'd really have to do some incredible things to quench him, to grieve him, or to extinguish him from your life. You'd have to literally walk away from God in blasphemy because Jesus said... concerning the Holy Spirit, that he was a paraclete, he was a standby, he was a comforter, a friend, a teacher, a guide. And what we found was that we were no longer operating in life through our own intelligence, our own reason, our own intellect or knowledge, because man's knowledge is all puffed up. You know that, I know that. So we surrendered our knowledge for his We allowed the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God, the Bible, and to plant the message of the Bible into our minds and hearts. And when we obeyed the message, we found that we became better. We developed fruit in our lives, or a divine nature, or a character that was better than the one we had before. So millions of people around the world have discovered the reality of the Bible. Now, there are those that say, well, I got into new age and I learned how to hum and I I got into uh, esoterical thought and I went into the occult and I experienced, you know, wooey, wooey things in the spiritual realm. And I have a spiritual intelligence too, or I'm a Luciferian and the angel Lucifer has come to my mind and revealed many things to me. Well, the reality of that, when you look at the scripture again, it exposes the angel of light that Satan comes as an angel of light to deceive men's hearts. You see, all the esoterical thinking in the world, all the New Age mantras, all the occult Luciferian practices, ceremonies, rituals, there's one problem. There's a lot of problems, but there's one real problem. There's no salvation in the message, in their philosophy, in their theology, They may be entertaining demons. They may be having an experience with demons. They may be getting goosebumps and outer body experiences and having spirits communicate with them. But there's no salvation. That, unfortunately, is the great counterfeit of the true spirit of God, 
that is motivated by the love of God, that is demonstrated by the cross of Jesus Christ in the shedding of his blood. I mean, when you stop and think about it, there's not a greater love message on the planet than the gospel. Because so many philosophies and ideas and all this rhetoric that's out there is baseless claims of wooey-wooey stuff, right? But where's the love in it? Where is the love? Well, the love is demonstrated in the work of Christ on the cross who died for you. I mean, who do you know in your life right now that would willingly die for you? Die for you. Who do you know that would do that? Well, in Romans, it says maybe somebody would even dare to die for somebody else. But even if they did, there's no eternal salvation in it. I mean, if you took a bullet for your friend, that's a great thing. But there's no proof of eternal salvation in that. But who did die for you? Who did die for me? Jesus died for you. And Jesus died for me. Jesus died for the whole world. He came to the Jew first. He laid his life down near Jerusalem, Israel, on a mount called Golgotha, on a hill. And he carried his cross up that hill, and he was crucified. But in the eternal purpose of God, it had been prophesied for thousands of years that this is exactly what would happen. And now the time of fulfillment came, and he laid his life down for the Jewish people in the first place, and then to the rest of the Gentile world. And this is just an amazing thing. You could try to emulate that through Egyptian philosophy or uh, Arabic philosophy. You can get into any other religion in the world you want to. But we have discovered that Jesus is not a religion. Now, people have made him a religion. We get that. But for us, he's not a religion. You know, the word religion is spoken of one time in Scripture. One time the word religion is used, and it's in the book of James. And all it says is that true religion is taking care of the widows and the orphans and being unspotted from this world. So when we talk about religion, we're not talking, the Bible doesn't talk about an organized structure of ceremony, ritual, institutionalism, et cetera, et cetera. True religion is take care of widows, take care of the orphans, be unspotted from this world. Now, beyond religion, we get into relationship. And what we have discovered and are discovering as we go is that we are in relationship with our Father in heaven through his son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. We have relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's with us forever. He communicates to us. We communicate with him. We have relationship with Yeshua. We give praise to God for him, for what he's done. We love our Lord. He's our high priest. He's the apostle of our lives. He's the bishop of our souls. We love him. We have communication with him. And then we have fellowship with our father. We have a relationship with our papa with our daddy, our creator. Now, our natural fathers, they were just creations like you and I, but the father of them, if you take it all the way back, there's only one creator who is our father. The creator is the father of all. He's the originator, right? And so we, us funny people, us peculiar people, 
do believe in the Bible. We do believe in the gospel message, the good news of our salvation. The Bible has forewarned us of the days that we're living in right now. It never said it would be an easy path for people to follow Jesus Christ, especially if they're going to take up their cross and follow him. The Bible says that there would be many challenges, spiritual warfare, demonic activity, world powers, rulers of darkness, Put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the belt buckle of truth. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You're going into battle. You believe in God. You believe in, in Jesus. You believe in the Holy Spirit. You're going to battle because world forces are coming against you. Demons that have been from your family bloodline are transferred to you. And now you're getting saved and casting those demons out of your life. They want to come back because they think you're their eternal abode. So we're in a war. The, the nature of man, the, na- the fallen nature of Adam, resists and looks at Christians as absurd, weird, wild, goofy people. Crazy people, some are, quite frankly, you know it's true. Amen. <laughs> so we're, we're viewed by angels, fallen angels, demons, spirits, the devil himself, Lucifer, and we're viewed by the world as there's something wrong. But in the spiritual truth, at the very end of all of it, they know that we have the goods Man, we found the treasure chest. We found Yeshua. We found Jesus. He found us, actually, but we accepted it. And they know. The devils know. The world leaders know. The Illuminati knows. The elite know. The globalists know. They all know. The atheists know. There's no real atheism. I mean, that's just rebellion against God, if you really want to know the truth of it, witches, warlocks, spiritualists, New Agers, whatever. They know they don't have the goods. They are still bankrupt inside of them, but Christ has filled the gap. Christ, in relationship, in relationship, in a divine pardon from the condemnation that is upon the soul of every man. And you could go into any ism you want to. You cannot eradicate the condemnation that is upon your soul, no matter who you are, no matter how hard you try, you can bury it. You could throw it as far as away as you can, but you and the whole human race has been condemned to eternal death. And the only way to remove that condemnation is to allow Jesus Christ to take your place. That's the good news. Jesus Christ took the condemnation of the whole world upon himself. And when I looked to Jesus Christ, when he knocked on the door of my heart and I said, wow, you love me, I love you. I'm going to follow you. You're my Lord. You did this for me? Well, through the grace And the kindness and the love of God, my sins are forgiven. The heavens are open. My name is written in the book of life. Man, it doesn't get any better. I walk forth like a cab skipping out of the stalls. I have liberty. I have freedom. I am alive. I've been born again. My whole perception is wide open to God now that I am speaking to God in my prayers 
as though I have a right to, like a child speaking to their daddy, not this religious formalism. We're talking about a relationship here with a father in heaven who knew us before we were ever born on this earth from the foundations of the world. And he comes knocking at the door of men's hearts and he tells the church, go into all the world and tell them there is a way, there is truth, there is life, and it's all found in Jesus Christ. There are many people that talk about the way, they talk about truth, they talk about life so, you know, mystically. But Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And not, you know, only crazy, demonically inspired people say, oh, he was a demon. You know, the religious rulers of his day, the scribes, the Pharisees, you know, all of these different uh, lawyers and doctors of the law and, you know, all these people. Oh, he's the devil. He is Beelzebub. He, he uh, is a deceiver of the people. They were threatened by his authority and power because he was the one doing the, excuse me, doing the miracles, raising the dead, casting out devils, healing the sick, walking on water, shutting down the winds, feeding multitudes in the wilderness. There he was doing good, and the religious leaders that could do nothing for their people, nothing but fleece them through their religious kiss my ring, look at my phylactery, baby. That's all they had. They couldn't do nothing. When Jesus showed up in Jerusalem, two-thirds of the, of the people were under demonic possession. And there he was. And so these people, threatened by his authority and power, that somehow he was going to draw the people away from them, now he's a devil. Now he's a bad guy. Now he's Beelzebub. Now he's blah, blah, blah. So... What what they said. And then they went after him for three and a half years to kill him, to destroy him. But they were now being used to fulfill the purpose of God. I mean, the life of Jesus Christ is absolutely amazing. But the idea that he died for you and I, that he is the truth, is phenomenal. You know, I've heard about these people that tried to say, well, Jesus... Christ and the virgin birth are just like the ancient stories they used to tell in the, the, the Babylonian, uh, you know, Sumerian documents and in the uh, theophany of, of, of what they have, the uh, oh, Greek mythologies and all these things. He's just like another one of them. Well, isn't it obvious that the devil's been around a long time. He knows that the true one's coming, so he's got to have a lot of fake ones to make people believe that when the true one comes, he's just another fake one. I mean, come on. Wake up. Be intelligent. Jesus Christ being likened to the Easter bunny. Jesus Christ being likened unto, you know, some mythological uh, thing. I mean, that's just foolishness. Jesus Christ, his life, he was crucified. He wasn't a mythology. He was literally born in the virgin womb of a woman named Mary, a young girl, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit of God who put a seed inside of her, and that seed was Christ. And she got pregnated and brought forth what was written for thousands of years what happened. Isaiah writes about a virgin shall give birth. 
the devil tries to pervert and twist everything. But where is that word at? It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. A virgin shall conceive. And the devil just took what was written in the Bible and tried to pervert it and twist it and make it crazy. But there it is. His life is real. He grew up in Israel. At the age of 30, he went and got ordained. He got baptized. The Holy Spirit came on him. He went into the wilderness, fasted 40 days, 40 nights, came out with power, and for three and a half years turned the world upside down. Doing good, preaching a message from the Father's heart that was written down and kept so that you and I could read it today. I hear people all the time say, well, the Bible has been reinterpreted and its meaning has been lost because of all the different scribal things that have happened, blah, blah, blah. You really believe that? You believe that the God who holds all things together by the word of his power, the God who has kept the stars, the sun, the moon in their place from the beginning of time, the God who created the earth and the the systems, the ecology systems and the ecosystems and to bring water from the sea and the clouds to water the earth and brings oxygen to air and trees for breathing and all. You think God, who does all that, could not preserve his word? Of course he could. Do I agree that there are some modern day translations that are cutting things out of the original text? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Some of them are not bad. They're more understandable to some people. But the King James Bible, in my opinion, is a very weighty, wonderful. I like the Amplified where it gives you the definitions. But listen, you're, you're listening to a, a man that went to seven different high schools, 15 different elementary schools. I got news for you. School was not my forte. <laughs> Education was not my forte. But when I got born again, at the age of 19, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I started reading this book, which I've now been doing for 39 years. It's the most incredible document on the face of the earth. Do you know it's actually more incredible than the Constitution? The Constitution, everybody raves about. Oh, my God, the Founding Fathers, the Constitution of the United States of America, the Declaration of Independence. Okay, incredible documents. This Bible is the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. This is God's realm, God's basilia, his royal power. This is God's constitution. This, these, this is the constitution of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And when I read God's constitution, man, this book isn't just designed for, to teach me how to live on earth. Man, there's incredible instructions for that, but... This constitution is how to live in the kingdom while I'm walking upon earth and will be into eternity. The Bible's awesome. The message is powerful. In fact, much of the constitution and the Declaration of Independence and all the documents of the founding were actually derived from the Bible. The laws of the land were derived from the Old Testament, for goodness sake. Oh, the Bible. I'm so thankful. But you know what I like? I like that me personally, my relationship with God did not begin with the Bible. It began with somebody telling me about God's love for me and about Jesus Christ. 
and that alone in my bedroom 39 years ago, feeling empty, I was calling upon the Lord saying, if it's true, then come into my life and having an experience with God. You see, it not a, not a mental, you know, you could stimulate your mind to feel happy because the Super Bowl's coming or whatever. No, no, no. Something happened in my bedroom 39 years ago that is unexplainable. It had never happened before. When I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart, he did. And he pierced and penetrated all my walls, all my security systems, and he brought me into the fetal position. And I had this experience that they were pouring golden oil, these angels, all over me. And God was taking me into his bosom and squeezing the poison out of my heart. And I crawled in the bed and hit the pillow. And it was the next morning. I woke up and I went outside and I saw a blue sky I had never seen before. I heard birds chirping. I saw the color of the flowers. It was in spring. They were vibrant. They were breathing. I saw butterflies. Man, I was waiting for Bambi to come by. I'm telling you, it was cartoon extraordinaire, but there was no LSD involved. There were no drugs. I remembered at that moment because I had such peace in my heart. I remembered I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I got so excited. I went in. I picked up the Bible, started reading in the New Testament, John, the Gospel of John. I understood it. I got on the phone. I'm calling people. Oh, my God. You know, when you get an experience like that, how many people do you know get on the phone and start telling, yay, I asked Jesus into my heart last night, and this is what's happening. Something that never happened before was now happening. And I've been reading this book for 39 years, and I've been learning in my relationship with my father, who I'm never going to figure him out. I'm never going to come to a place and say, I've got God figured out. I've got Jesus figured out. I've got the Holy Spirit figured out. Are you kidding me? I'm still seeing through a glass darkly like everybody else. But I know along the way, the evidence, the testimonies, the witness of God in my life to do what he's done is extraordinary, extraordinary reality without having to entertain demons. I mean, how many times have we fallen down, made a mistake, missed the mark? Oh, my gosh. Thank God those are not the things recorded. What's recorded is every time turning to God, saying, God, forgive me for missing the mark, for doing what is wrong, for bad behavior, whatever. It's a relationship. And not because I'm threatened by God damning me to hell. Honestly, that does not motivate me. What motivates me is I don't want to offend him. I don't want to displease him. I don't want to break his heart. He's so good. He's such a good daddy. And he knows me. He created me. He knows I'm at the tip of the spear. (laughs) He knows that. We're at the point. He knows that we're going to rush in to the dark battle. He knows that about us. Some people will stand back. He's created other people to be passive. We're not. So he knows my personality, my character, how things are with me. He doesn't condemn it. He created me that way. He tempers it. He tempers it. It's personal. And what's amazing to me, as personal as he is with me, he is with you. And how does he do that with 8 billion people on the planet and all the people times past, that all the kids calling upon him, that he has this intimate, personal, like they're the only ones on the planet? How does that work? I don't know. I just know that every time. I was walking Max last night. We got home from uh, a birthday party celebrating Chandler's birthday last night. 
and we let Max out, and it was dark, and Max, he wanders now. He's 16. He doesn't see very well. He doesn't hear very well, and he wanders. He just, I, don't, I wonder sometimes. And, and so he was out there, and I'm standing on the porch, and I'm, he's far away, and I said, Holy Spirit, bring him back. And I'm looking at him, and I said, Holy Spirit, bring Max back. I'm telling you. It was like some thought went into Max's brain. He popped his head up and started running towards the house. I'm like, man, you're so good, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is active. He's operative. He's alive. He's wanting to guide and direct you and I right now into something that we can't even think about at this moment. It's veiled to our consciousness. But when he takes control, he brings us into stuff. And when we leave this earth, we're going into heaven, the realm of God Almighty. Now, listen, God is good and God is love, but I've also learned don't mess with him. (laughs) You know, he's a father. And boy, sometimes the discipline is not easy. God will take us into the depth of our own depravity until we see it clearly and cry out to him. Sometimes we think we're pretty good in our flesh. huh? We think we're pretty good in our human nature. Just let God take you by the nap of your neck and bring you down into the gut of your existence, and you'll see how nasty it really is. And until it's all cleaned up and sanctified, until the blood and the water of the word has worked to undo all that nastiness, stop thinking we're anything because we're really nothing. And the word of God's very clear about that, by the way. Beware when you think you're something when you're nothing. Because the reality is our human nature, our human flesh nature, that godless, rebellious, carnal mind that cannot obey God, will not because it's hostile against God. Folks, if we ever saw ourselves the way that we really are, and I hope you have along the way, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans said, Oh, wretched man that I am. Do you know what the word wretched means? In the Greek, it means rotten to the core. You know how Paul knew that? Because he thought he was so cool in his religion, his Judaism religion. He was a Pharisee. And and he thought, man, he was really something until God showed him the core of his existence and depravity. And he cried out, woe is me, I am undone, said Job and Isaiah. But Paul said, I am wretched, oh, wretched, rotten to the core. His Judaism, following Moses' law, being a Pharisee of Moses' law, did nothing for him but deceive him and blind him. He thought he was justified by the law of Moses, and even more so because he taught it. But when Christ showed him his deep depravity, how wretched, how rotten he really is in his human nature. Oh, he said, what do I do now? And then he found the grace of God. You know why you and I are not walking around just absolutely devastated? If we saw ourselves every day the way we really are in human nature, in human nature, we wouldn't be able to lift our heads. But it's the grace of God. Now, the law condemned because it kept showing them. But the grace of God actually enabled us to look in another direction, not at ourselves, but at the born again reality. We've been born again by the spirit of God. 
We are new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. God, through the shedding of his blood, literally gives us permission and allowance to no longer see the depravity. He's killing it. He's deading it. He's washing it. He's sanctifying it. He's removing it. He's renewing it. We're putting it off. We're putting on the new man. Man, that's so good. Paul was a, in a Pharisee. He was, in a, you know, he was in, in the religion of Judaism. He loved the law of Moses. He taught it. He knew it was good and right. But man, he came to a conclusion. That law could not do anything about the human nature. Nothing. What it was was a covering. Okay, if I keep the law, if I keep the law, if I keep the law, I'll be pleasing God. Man, grace is so much better. Because grace does not teach us. Now you're, under the, you're not under the law. Go sin. <laughs> grace teaches us to live godly. Grace brings us into the completed work. Grace actually takes us higher. This is what I wrote for today. Okay, I wrote this last night. The purpose of the grace of God is to produce a new nature. In the hearts of men and women, listen, the law of Moses could not produce a new nature in anybody. Remember that. The grace of God, the purpose of the grace of God in your life, have you received the grace of God? Then understand the purpose of it. The purpose of the grace of God is to produce a new nature. In the hearts of men and women, while many have neglected to understand the intrinsic value of grace in the heart, some have come to the understanding that grace is not an external force, but an inward reality recreating and transforming from the inside out. This is the work of grace within the believer, preparing them for eternity with God. Now, I don't know about you, but this excites me more about what's going on in America today. I have to be honest with you. Grace is an eternal work in our hearts. Now, we're here. And it, it's meaningful what's going on here because we're to be salt and light, expose the darkness, do all that. But the work that God's doing in you and I is an eternal work. Do you realize what's happening to you? If you're truly born again, do you realize that God is preparing you eternally, your heart to be his habitation, his dwelling place? Do you realize that you're going from an angry, bitter, cold, resentful, lustful, lying, jealous, envious blob of humanity into a divine-natured, golden character, inward, intrinsic, not made up out here, but a reality of something that's strong and solid and built for eternity, of love and joy and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit and integrity and principled, do you realize what God is doing in your heart, in your life? You see, you've got to understand the purpose. 
understand the purpose of God. You know, when I'm talking about, oh, the end of the world, Trump, Biden, the Illuminati, our numbers just soar. I start talking about this, the more important issue, the numbers decline. It's almost like people don't really want to engage the journey in the relationship with God. They have been so programmed to feed on the, the stuff going on here. Wow, get, you know, just keep talking about it. How often do you meet people that talk about the work of God's grace in their lives? Oh, this is what God's doing in my life. God's been changing my heart. God's been changing my mind. You know, I used to be really this, but I'm, I'm this now. They share testimony. How many times, what is the narrative today? It scares me sometimes. Can I be honest with, the, with, with you? It scares me. I'll give you an example. I love my brothers, my sisters. I love, I truly love the people in our lives. I love them. I would never do anything to hurt them. But I'm concerned. Concerned with people that are living today. I gave this bit of wisdom to my grandson last night. and talking about all the stuff going on. And I, I just cautioned him. I said, listen, here's the fact. There were people everywhere saying Donald J. Trump was going to have a two-term presidency. In other words, what they were saying, he was going to win the election. And that narrative from martial law to the Insurrection Act to all those thoughts, that narrative, that idea, military power, on and on and on. January 20th came and left, and it didn't happen the way they said it would. And what I told my grandson last night, take a pause. Because now the narrative is still continuing on. Wait for tomorrow. Wait for next week. Wait. Now we got to wait till next month. And then six months out, something's going to happen. And I'm concerned. I'm being honest with you. Let's first deal with the fact that all those narratives about Donald Trump winning a second term election are gone now. It did not happen. And I think the narrative that was presented to minds made so much sense that now they're going to continue the narrative and people are going to keep on chasing it. How long are you going to chase the narrative? And I said to my grandson last night, take a pause, take a deep breath, don't move. Accept the fact that January 20th election is over. And just wait for God to show the next step. But what concerned me is after it was over, the narrative continued and everybody fed on the narrative. Well, wait a second. It's not over yet. Yes, it is. It is over. It was over on January 20th. Joe Biden was elected, regardless of how he was elected, he was elected to be the president of the United States of America backed by the Supreme Court, backed by the Senate, backed by Congress, backed by 70-some-odd million people. That's what they told us 
That's what happened. He was sworn in. He won the election. To keep pounding away at the narrative, well, wait, wait, wait. I caution my friends, my brothers who I love with all my heart, I caution you. Stop. Stop. Shift into the narrative of the Word of God right now. I can give you a biblical narrative to exactly what just happened. And I've said it now for a couple of days. We've just taken a giant leap towards the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. And if people are not preparing spirit, soul, and body for what's coming, they are going to be part of the apostasy. And one very wise and intelligent Holy Spirit-filled woman said to me the other day, I'm speaking of my wife, Patricia. I asked her, I said, why do you think people are just going on in the narrative? Why aren't people saying, wow, January 20th came, Joe Biden won the election. Even though we think it's a rigged election, it's false, it's fraudulent, he won. But I asked her, I said, why do you think people keep feeding into this narrative? And here's what she said. I knew it was the Holy Spirit because it was confirmed later by someone. She said, the reason why people keep on going with the narrative is because they cannot handle the fact that everything they believed was a lie. And to mentally admit that that narrative that they received was not the truth would devastate some, usually those that have a lot of pride, usually those that, you know, really hold on. And there are sincere people that are holding on to, don't get me wrong. But they can't imagine that what they've been told all this time was false. And so they blind themselves dangerously and won't allow that prior narrative to stop. Stop it. He did not win the election on January 20th. Yeah, but he's going to. Wait a second. Wait. He did not win. And a whole bunch of people, rather than stepping down and saying, I was wrong, are trying to defend that narrative by suggesting another narrative. The days will pass, the weeks, the months, the years, regardless of nuclear bombs going off, explosions, military takeovers. Donald J. Trump did not win a second term. Joe Biden did, and he inherited the whirlwind. I get that. Don't jump to another narrative. It would show your unwillingness to concede that you're wrong. You were wrong. They were wrong. What they told you was wrong. The man who's talking to you right now, as my dear sister said the other night, told you Joe Biden won the election, blue suit, blue tie. And that's exactly what he was wearing. 
I've told you for over a year that God gave a dream. That dream has come true. I don't know. All I know in that dream was he won, but there was no celebration. And I'm not ready to produce a narrative about what that means. It can mean a lot of things that he's troubled. I don't know exactly what it means. And I'm not willing to produce a narrative. But I knew he won the election. And that the people that kept saying, no, Trump's going to win. Trump's going to win. Trump's going to win. And now that he didn't win, the narrative continues on. Well, he's going to. He's going to become the third party. The, the patriotic party. Ladies and gentlemen, if you stay in that, you feed into that narrative, it could, it could trouble you. What we need to be doing right now is studying the narrative. Okay, now Joe Biden's in. He's a globalist. Uh, he's in bed with China. He's, he's being a puppet. He's controlled by the far left, a progressive, socialist, communistic agenda, opening the door, doing all, you know, that's a reality. What does it mean? It means that a new world order, a one world government, a globalist agenda, satanically inspired, which the Bible says will happen. Three and a half years, the devil rules the earth and Christians have no influence. For three and a half years, they're overcome. They don't influence this world at all. They need to learn how to survive, how to buy and sell without taking the mark of the beast. Those that were left behind and they thought they'd be away in a preacher of rapture are going to have to deal with the fact that they're now waking up to a one world reality of satanic great tribulation. I'm just cautioning you. If I'm wrong, fine. Let, Let it be shown. But I wasn't wrong. I told you, Joe Biden won the election, and he did. Now what follows, we'll find out. The landscape is going to change. People suggest, oh, Pastor Vince, you're being proud. You're tooting your own horn in their minds. They haven't told me that. But some, I believe, are thinking, oh, he talks about it all the time, all the time, all the time. He's proud. He wants attention. No, I want God to get the glory for giving a dream that was true. And I want people to understand that what God gave could be trusted. And yet all the people with the names, the reputations, the big followings were wrong. That's okay. I've been wrong before. But when I was wrong in 2009... On the last minute of October of 2009, I stepped down in my mind, in my heart, my body. I quit because I couldn't handle that I had said something that wasn't accurate. And I went for five years walking with a limp. I was broken. The only reason why I maintained and stayed, because I had a great church, a great wife, and pastors were calling me, telling me, don't stop, don't quit, don't give in. And friends were telling me the same thing. So I kept going, but mentally, internally, I was broken. And people were telling me, well, it was a Jonah thing. I said, I don't want to hear about Jonah. I wasn't looking for any excuses. And I think that's the proper posture for everybody that believed the narrative and that promoted the narrative, stop it. 
readjust, reposition, come back to a different focus. Because if you follow it and follow it and follow it, yeah, but in a week from now, it's going to happen. A month from now, it's going to happen. Six months, it's going to happen. That's what people said was going to happen on the 20th of January. It was going to happen. President Trump had all the power, all the authority to declare martial law, insurrection act. He had all of the power. He had the military behind him. He doesn't any longer have that power. He's a man. He's a man that for four years did something in this country. Basically, he accelerated the end times. As I said from the beginning, he's an accelerant to accelerate end time Bible prophecy. Now what's going to hit the stage? Now we need to start thinking. Now we need to start thinking. One of the things I'm going to leave you with, I said before in passing, in Revelation 13, it talks about the mark, the, the number of a man. And his number is 600, three score and six. You know, in the Greek, that is the chi or the key, the chi, z, stigma, right? The chi, the z, the stigma. The key, if you want to make it hard, ch, but it's the chi. We could also make it the khi, the chi, and then the xi, the z, and then the stigma. Three words, chi, z, stigma, 600, three score, six. The number of a man. I find it exhilarating that the leader of the Chinese government, whose name is Z, XI, his very name, same letters, XI, are the Greek letters XI for the number of a man. Globalism, China, the great red dragon, communism, antichrist, Joe Biden in bed with China. I don't know what it means. It's just exhilarating to see the president of China's name in the number 666. And then if you want to move with Walid Shabbat, you could see the entire Islamic world in the 666. We'll talk about that another day. Let me say hello to some of my friends on chat in trouble. All right, Melissa, good morning, Pastor V. Good morning. And all my brothers and sisters. Cindy, good morning. Good morning, Cindy and Melissa. Denny says, yes, it is absolutely amazing to be living at this time and to know that we are hid in Jesus, covered by living blood of Jesus Christ. Good morning, Pastor and fellow saints. That's from Denny and Sally. Good morning to both of you. Sandra, Matlow, good morning and amen. God bless you. Chandra, good morning, Pastor Vincent. Good morning, New so good morning to Sandra, to Chandra, to Denny, Sally, Cindy, Melissa, Evangelist, Juanid, amen. God bless you. You are, God bless you too, sister. And then we have Sharon Evans, good morning. Chandra Rana says, First Peter, all right. Hallelujah from Chandra. Awesome testimony. Cindy, David Ellison, good morning. Good morning to you, David. Keith says, good morning, Pastor Vincent. A foundation class, written comment, paraphrase, fasting is not a way of spiritual blackmail, I agree, to bring God around to agreeing with what we want. Amen. It's really to adjust us to his rhythm. I believe that. 
Sarah Ankerman, good morning, Sarah. God bless you. Keith says, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Amen. I love the grace. Laquita, thank God for his love and grace. uh, David Ellison, question, Pastor V. I thought divination was bad, but it's mentioned in Bible that the saints used it. I'm confused. Asking for Nicole. Divination was used? Yeah, I think in the Old Testament they used to use a ephod or something. All right. I don't know. We'll have to search that one out, Dave. And now Sarah says, honestly, shame on those people for spreading so much fear. Okay. Keith Carey, wow, profound pastor at eternal work that as we allow that to work in us, the refiner's fire will find us having less dross to be burned off. Amen. Laquita says, you were the one that had it right. He showed you. Ah, okay. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Cindy, yes, God gave you the dream of Biden winning the election, believing and trusting our Lord. You are a humble man of God. Thank you for that. It's also the same symbol of Allah on the Islamic flag. Good morning from Mr. V. God bless you, Brother Gary. Shalom. Long time hearing you. Again, we were not looking for tooting, our own horn, pride, attention, but truth. And my prayer to God is this weekend, as we go into Shabbat tonight, a Sabbath rest, that you will draw very close to your daddy. That you, you're not just reading the Bible and doing it, but just pray, come close to him, commune with him, hug him, get near to him, tell him, I want to know more. Can you teach me some things? Can you show me some things? I want to live for you. I want to hear you. I want, I want you to touch me. Just one touch of your finger would send my entire being into ecstasy. But I'm not looking for feelings, but just a touch, intimacy. Get close to your daddy. He loves you. Let things settle. Please, I beg you. Now, if you let things settle, and it all is right that you were thinking, praise God, then pick it up again. But right now, what was said about Donald Trump with a two-term election failed. Let it be there. Address that issue. Get close to your loved ones. Get close to your family. Get close to your church your brothers, your sisters. Don't feel foolish. Don't feel, oh, I broke it. My God, how could I have been deceived? Even the elect of God can be deceived. Believe me, God's words are true. It doesn't mean eternal deception. It just means that, wow, we've just learned a major lesson. The heart was intent on truth and wanted to do right, but there is deception. Let's pause. Let's get through this weekend Let's see what God's going to do in the days ahead. Let's study the word. Let's get back to the teachings of the apostles, the epistles, the words of Christ, the book of Revelation. Take the old covenant as well, the word of God. Bring it in. Learn from it. It's all the whole Bible. Bring it all in. And then let's see what God's going to do. Kenneth Brun says Trump may not be president anymore, but is he out of the picture? The answer right now, yes. You will not see Donald Trump or Melania in a leadership position. Yes, they are gone. Back to their lives like every other president. At this moment, you have to accept that. To bite in, well, no, they're going to come back. You're biting into that narrative again. And people are going to get angry. They're going to say, Pastor Vince is wrong. How can you? 
That's just their mind can't conceive being wrong. And that's either massive pride or just they can't, they can't imagine it. They're done. As of right now, accept it. If it changes, praise God. If it doesn't, you're just strengthening the delusion and the deception that you've been told. So that's my thought about it. Keep your eyes upon Jesus. Amen. Look full into his wonderful face. Amen. And the things of this earth will grow dim. Sister Kathy, you're right on. That is the truth. Now, if you're, you just got to be careful out there. Be careful. Today is today. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And so will you. Jesus is the king on the throne, settled forever. It doesn't matter. Let the Bible fulfill itself. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, says the bride in the spirit. Let that book of Revelation be fulfilled. Mm. All I know is Jesus. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He's the all ruler. He's waiting for all of his enemies to be made a footstool to him. He told us dark times were coming. Deceptive days would be here. Wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes all over the world, beginning of sorrows, and then a direct persecution. It's happened before, but it's ready to happen for the finality in these last days. You should be so joyful about where we are right now. And with all the blessings that God has blessed you with, share them. Be gracious, be kind. Don't hold on to anything in this earth. You may be the first one persecuted and lose everything anyways. Hold on loosely. Embrace heaven strongly. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Store the treasures of heaven and the treasure of heaven, Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You got Christ, you've got everything. I'm telling you. And yet God has taken care of us, hasn't he? Don't trust in uncertain riches. Utilize what you have. Prepare your ark. Now that's a conversation we need to have. I'm Pastor Vince. God bless you. I love you. I hope you still love me. Talk to you soon. I'll see you Tuesday, Lord willing, with bells on. Until we meet again, have an amazing weekend. Shalom. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.